You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. It is good to be with you here in America. I was able to escape from North Korea for just a little bit, and uh, unfortunately I do have to get back before they notice my absence. They don't take to that very well up there, but uh, anyway. As Brother Ben pointed out a little bit earlier, uh, I am not your pastor, okay? So if there, it's so funny when I sit up here, you all try to be sly, but you're, you're cutting glances at me, and you, I see some of you asking, is that him? Is that pastor? And, you know, when I make eye contact with you, you kind of look away because, you know, <laughs> you're just not sure. But uh, anyway, that's a lot of fun. But no, I am not your pastor, unless today was the day that you were going to give pastor a, a raise, in which case I am your pastor. It's good to be back with you. And I accept cash and personal check. Make it out to Abe Che for tax purposes, though, okay? So anyway, uh, it has been good just to be here for, for just a few days, and uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not here mostly for you all. I'm here mostly for my brother uh, to be able to spend a little bit of time with him, and uh, it has been enjoyable, the time that we've spent, and, and just good fellowship every time I get to be back with him. But I'll tell you uh, that I know with all my heart that my brother loves you with all his heart. He truly does. There's not a time that I get on the phone with him and talk to him that he doesn't tell me about you good people. He loves you with all his heart. And I don't know you as well as he does. And I can't say that I love you as much as he does. But because he loves you and I love him and we both love the same Lord, I love you too. And it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, just hope to, be, hope to be a blessing to you. And uh, good to see such a full house. Good to see what the Lord is doing here. It's exciting down here. You all still excited about what God is doing in this ministry? I mean, what is that thing over there? That wasn't there when I was here last. You all do things quick down here. We'd still be cutting through all the red tape up north. I mean, anyway, I, I, know, I know that it has been a significant investment of both time and money, but uh, you're doing it for the Lord, and I promise that you will not regret it, not one moment. Uh, the cost for that project would have been the cost for our paperwork up north, okay? I promise you that. And uh, just exciting to see that God is doing something here. Every time I come back, I see new faces, see different things improving on the property, and, and uh, just God has been good to you all, and I hope that you realize that. I hope that you never take that for granted. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to preach to you all like you're a bunch of sinners this morning. Is that okay? You have sinners in Texas? Okay, I don't know if you figured out how to cure that down here. But uh, I'm just, I, again, I don't know you as well as your pastor does. I know that we do have some guests and visitors here this morning. If you are visiting Heritage Baptist Church, this is your first time. Thank you so much for being here. Please do not make your decision on whether to come back based on how I do today. Okay, come see the real thing uh, when he's back in the pulpit. Um, and I like how uh, Brother Ben, he said, we are not looking for your money. That's true. But this is a Baptist church. If you give us money, we will take it. <laughs> Okay, so if that, if earlier, Brother Ben, if that stopped you from giving, there's still a chance on the way out, I'm sure, all right? 
If you take your Bibles with me, stand as you do. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. You stand for the reading of God's Word, I think, I believe, all right? And if not, that's what we're going to do. So take your Bible, stand with me. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16, and we'll be reading from verse 13, verses 13 through 15. Matthew 16, 13 through 15. <clears throat> Let's do this. I'll read the first two verses there. I'll read verses 13 and 14, and then if you join with me in on verse 15, okay? Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Join with me on verse 15. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the morning that you've given us. Thank you for the chance to be in your house. And Lord, this is a uh, a fairly unfamiliar church to me. I'm used to being at a church up north, but Lord, the, the spirit is kindred. And Lord, the fellowship is just as sweet. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for the redeeming power of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd meet with us here today in a special way. Lord, I pray that a, a hush, a stillness would come upon this crowd. Lord, not a deadness, but just a, a focus on your word. And Lord, that you would use me this morning, Lord, not because I'm deserving of it, because I'm worthy in any way, but because you are. Lord, I just pray that you'd help me to be used of you in, in any way that you see fit, that you get me out of the way, hide me behind your cross this morning, help your son to be promoted above anything else. May his name be high and lifted up, and we'll give you the praise and glory for it today. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you do a quick Google search... How many Christians are there in the world? You'll come up with a number of about 2.4 billion people. It's estimated that about one-third of the global population of the world practices some form of Christianity. If you look in Merriam-Webster's Modern Dictionary, it defines a Christian as one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I would argue that that is even a, a broader definition of Christianity than the one that they probably used to calculate those global statistics. Those, that statistic probably came from some poll that asked, do you profess to be a Christian? And 2.4 billion people roughly, or it's estimated that 2.4 billion people would answer that question, yes. But then the dictionary definition broadens it, and it says that if you believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ then you're a Christian. I think by that definition, there's probably more than 2.4 billion people that you would call Christian. Most of the main world religions, even outside of Christianity, profess some belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Whether it's Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or Judaism, most of them profess some belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, my definition of Christian differs a little bit from Pew Research or Merriam-Webster. Yes, I do believe that a Christian should believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's not what makes you a Christian alone. Right. To take that a step further, sometimes we'll define the word Christian as a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, 
But I don't know if you followed Jesus' earthly ministry at all. He gained and lost followers all the time. So that by that definition, simply, you could be a Christian one day and then not a Christian the next, depending on how you're following and where you're walking. Yes, I believe a Christian should follow Christ, but again, that's not enough. One only need to look at the construction of the word Christian itself to determine the true meaning. The word Christian is made up of the root word, Christ. And then a suffix on the end of that, I-A-N. You put those together, you get the word Christian. That suffix, I-A-N, it means from, belonging to, related to, or like. We say that again. From, belonging to, related to, or like. When you add that to the root word Christ, it means that the proper definition of a Christian is one that is from, belonging to, related to, and like Jesus Christ. When you use the criteria explained in that definition, I would submit to you, good people of Heritage Baptist Church, that the true number of Christians in the world today is somewhere far, far, far less than 2.4 billion people. And over the course of this message, if you'll allow me to, I want to explain how to truly belong to Jesus Christ, because that's important. But I, I want to open the message by examining from this passage how I believe our definition of Christianity has strayed so far from the Bible definition of Christianity. We, in, in the United States of America, we have gotten so far away from what a Christian really is. And unfortunately, not everyone that calls themselves Christian is a Christian. And I think that when you're dealing with something that is of such eternal consequence, that we ought to take our own personal opinion out of the equation. Because has your, own, has your opinion ever led you astray? Ever. <laughs> okay. All right, let's not lie in church this morning, okay? <laughs> And when it comes to heaven, when it comes to your eternity, you really want it to be up to your own personal opinion? You want it to be based on frail old you? I think we ought to go to the Bible. I think we ought to let this be where we stand on what is a Christian and how do we become one. Our text that we read this morning, it lays out two questions from Jesus, and then it gives two answers from his disciples. And I want to ask you a question that is the title of my message this morning. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? I want us to see in verses 13 and 14, point number one, that there is a common agreement. There is a common agreement. Verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The common agreement that you see in those two verses, folks, primarily in verse 14, the common agreement about Jesus is that he was a good man. Everybody agrees Jesus was a good man. Can I get an amen on that? He was a good man. All of the answers that were given in verse 14 are good answers. Okay, Elias is Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah is Jeremiah, good men. Or one of the prophets, good men. 
Interesting, interestingly enough, it, it was not long ago in this passage, only four chapters ago, that actually people accused Jesus of being a devil. And I'm not surprised that the disciples left that out of their answer to Jesus there. Jesus asked the disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, John the Baptist and Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. They left out that people called him a devil. I don't blame them. I wouldn't have wanted to have that conversation either. But folks, it is a commonly held belief among the churched and the unchurched, Christians, non-Christians, that Jesus was a good person. Common agreement. When you review his life and his ministry, you can arrive at no other conclusion. He was a good man. We're going to expound on this a little bit later as we move along in the message, but take it for what it's worth to start the message. Everyone agrees Jesus was a good man. The common agreement. Number two, I want you to see that there is a continual argument. There's a continual argument. There are things that we agree on, and then there's some things that we argue about. The continual argument is about who Jesus truly is. And again, you see that in verse 14. There was some agreement about his goodness, but there was an argument about his real identity. Let's take a moment and look at some of the different answers that the disciples gave and other people gave for who Jesus was. And these were all good answers, but they were all inherently flawed. They all focused exclusively on one part of Jesus's person, but not his whole person. We're going to look at that a little bit more this morning. So there are four things that people focused on when they called him these other men. Some people focused on his powerful exhortation, his powerful exhortation. Those people that called him John the Baptist focused on Jesus's powerful exhortation. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was a wild, wild man. The Bible says that he wore camel skin and he wore a leather belt and he ate locusts and honey. When I think of Texas, I think everyone sounds just like that. <laughs> but then I come down here and you all are civilized and stuff. I mean, shocking. But I'm, I've made this joke before up north, right? So we have, we have a safety team in our church. And if John the Baptist, as the Bible described him, were to have walked into one of our services, the safety team, they would be talking on their radios. Hey, we got... We got a crazy person walking in the back, okay? We're going to keep, let's, let's, let's direct him to the fellowship hall. We'll have him sit over there, all right? And we need two guys flanking him. I, I think I just, I just saw him ate some locusts out of a bag, okay? We need to watch this guy. If we met John the Baptist, we would think he's a wild man, a crazy person. But he was the one that even Jesus had a very, very high opinion of the forerunner of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, There is no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. What high praise from Jesus Christ. Perhaps the people that said that Jesus was John the Baptist, they had listened to Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7. through 7. Jesus spent most of his ministry teaching and preaching, and he started as just a little boy astonishing teachers in the temple. You remember that time Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus? Right, parents? <laughs> we can relate to that story, right? The truth is, before I became a parent, I heard about parents that would like leave a store and they forget their kid. I'm like, how in the world? What terrible parents. 
if they loved their children, they would never forget a kid. <laughs> you get more than one, and it's hard to keep track. I had to repent of my judgmental spirit towards Mary and Joseph for forgetting Jesus. But when they got back, they found Jesus teaching in the temple, astonishing people, many times his age, about his father's business. After the Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says that people were astonished at Jesus' doctrine because he taught them with authority, not as the scribes. There was something different when Jesus opened his mouth. The people calling Jesus John the Baptist had good reason. Jesus was a wise teacher. He was a powerful preacher. But the people that called him John the Baptist were focused on just one part of his person. They were too focused on his powerful exhortation. There were some people that called him Elijah, and I think that those people were too focused on his miraculous effect, his miraculous effect. The miracles of Elijah are well known. Elijah called down fire from heaven to consume the prophets of Baal. He made the, the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil never run out. He raised the widow's son from the dead. Jesus also performed amazing miracles all throughout his ministry that were well known. I wonder if the people that thought he was Elijah, maybe they saw some of the miracles that Jesus had performed and they thought, this is Elijah. By this chapter in Matthew, that, that is our text, Matthew 16, Jesus had already made blind men to see. He had cast out demons. He made a mute man speak. He cleansed the leper. He healed the sick. He made the lame to walk. He caused the wind and the waves to cease. He walked on water. He fed 9,000 people at a minimum in the previous few chapters. Amazing miracles. And, and by the way, unlike the charlatan faith healers of our day. Jesus didn't have to rely on pre-selected audience members and theatrics, okay? I remember even as a little kid seeing some of those things where, the, you know, they just hit him in the head and they, they'd fall backwards and then they'd stand up and I can walk, right? I remember as a kid thinking, something's off. Something's off with that. Those, the people that believe that that's real probably also believe that professional wrestling is real, too. Okay? I'm sorry. I don't know if that's sacred. I shouldn't touch that down here. But, <clears throat> but folks, the, when Jesus healed people, it was for real. It was for real. When Jesus came into contact with them, and some of them need only touch the hem of his garment, and virtue went out of him, and their lives were changed. And so the people that said he's Elijah, maybe they saw his miracles and they said, this, this is Elijah. But, you know, that's, it's not a bad answer. But those people were focused too much on just his miraculous effect. The people that called him Jeremiah, maybe they were too focused on Jesus's expressions of compassion. And they called him Jeremiah. Do you know what Jeremiah, do you know what his nickname is? The weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Jeremiah, he has a whole book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. Where he, he, just, he laments the sin of the people. He weeps over the, the weight of the message that God has given him to preach to his people. And Jeremiah didn't just weep because of the weight of the message. He wept because he had compassion on the people that he preached to. 
If you doubt my word, there's another example in the Bible of someone that was given a, a hard, heavy message to preach and he had no compassion. His name is Jonah. He wept when they repented. <laughs> Something's off. Okay, you ever get a preacher that weeps when you repent, it's time to find a new one. Tears are signs of kindness and compassion over others. And perhaps the people that called Jesus Jeremiah had witnessed Jesus' miracles and saw the many times that Jesus had compassion toward others. They saw him have compassion on the multitudes in Matthew 9. And again in Matthew 14, they saw Jesus' tears and they made a connection from Jesus' tears to Jeremiah's tears. And they said, this is Jeremiah. Jesus always made time for the sick and hurting. He dined with the publicans and sinners. He had compassion on the multitudes and praise God. Jesus always left people better than how he found them. I've heard some people say, you know, that God, that Jesus doesn't, God doesn't care about us having separation and standards because Jesus dined with publicans and sinners. Yeah, the problem is when he left them, they weren't the same way. And maybe the people that saw Jesus' compassion, they said, this is Jeremiah. And yes, Jesus was kind and he was compassionate. But they were too focused on that one part of his character. Finally, in verse 14, some people just said, maybe he's just, an, he's just another prophet. He's one of the prophets. I think that those people were too focused on his good example. Prophets were men of great renown in this culture. They were the men that you grew up hearing about. You heard stories about them, and maybe these were the bedtime stories that these people heard about the great prophets of old. People that said that Jesus was a prophet, I don't think they believed that he was a reincarnation of a dead prophet. I just think that they saw his body of work. They saw the similarities between Jesus' life and the lives of the, of the prophets that they had grown up hearing about. And they called him a, pro a prophet because it just looks so similar. They did great works and they were mightily used of God. They had good reason to call Jesus a prophet. He, he had an exemplary life that was worthy of patterning a life after. But those people were too focused on just his good example. These were all good answers. All the answers in verse 14 were good. But there's a reason why I call this point the continual argument. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, folks, but if you examine all of the other major religions, I mentioned some of them earlier, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. If you study those religions, they all say the exact same things about Jesus. They say the same things. They all say that he was a wise teacher. They all say that he was a miracle worker. They all say that he was kind and he was compassionate. They all say that he was a good man and that he was a good example. Those answers are good, but they are wrong by themselves. This is what all other religions and belief systems get wrong about Jesus Christ. He is not just those things. And the people that say that he is just those things miss who Jesus Christ truly is. And so this argument continues even today. I remember studying this out and thinking how mind-blowing it was 
that even the people that interacted with Jesus Christ in person, face to face, some of them arrived at the same wrong conclusions that are still being argued about to this very day. But then after all of the well-meaning but wrong answers were given in verse 14, Jesus asked one final question in verse 15. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? We looked at the common agreement. We looked at the continual argument, but I want us to see the correct answer in verse 16. The correct answer in verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the correct answer. That's the correct answer. For all, this was Peter that answered this. For all of Peter's famous failures, okay? He's the guy that walked on water and then got too scared midway through and started sinking. He's the guy that in the garden Right, he took out his sword and he wanted to chop that high priest servant's head off. And Jesus said, Peter, come on, put that away. Peter's the one that said, I go a fishing. Peter had a lot of famous failures, but he also had some amazing moments in scripture. And he's walked on water more than any of us have, by the way. <laughs> this is an amazing moment for Peter. He had the right answer. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. While Jesus surely has many great attributes, and there are many names in the Bible that are given for Jesus, there is only one correct answer to this, quest, to this question that was asked by Jesus in verse 15. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ is anointed. He is the anointed. In the Jewish culture, the anointed one was the Messiah the chosen one, the deliverer. When Peter called him Christ, he was using that word, that anointed Messiah. He was the promised one, the deliverer, the one and only. There can only be one Christ. Then he called him the son of the living God, referencing the fact that Jesus' father is very God himself and very alive and he is the son of a living God. That means that Jesus came from heavenly blood, not earthly blood. And that all the power that he had given to him was by his father, the living God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Folks, at first look, all the answers that were given in verse 14 were good, but they were just not enough. At first look, they seem innocent and they seem incomplete. But hang on a second. I want to examine those answers a little bit more closely. Let's examine that, that argument that people have, and they say that Jesus is a good person. I'm not mad when people say that Je they believe that Jesus was a good man. That's a good start. I'm not mad at that, but hang on a second. I think that if you look at this a little bit more closely, and you think about this a little bit more deeply, you'll understand that these answers aren't as good as we may think they were. And I don't want to lose you here, but just stick with me, okay? You still with me? Good. The people that called him John the Baptist, they didn't believe that he was the Christ. Right? Because they called him John the Baptist. Someone else. The people that called him Elijah didn't think that he was the Christ. The people that called him Jeremiah didn't think it. The people that called him another prophet did not think that he was the Christ. But hang on. If Jesus is not Christ, if he is not the son of the living God, then he could not have been a great teacher and preacher as well. Yep. 
Because then everything that he taught would have been a lie. And listen, if your preacher, your pastor is lying to you all the time, that's not good. You can't call him a good preacher or teacher if he lies all the time. Jesus taught that he was the son of God. He didn't hide from it. He said he was. That's why they killed him. He taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by him. If he was John the Baptist, everything that Jesus taught would have been a lie. And if all he did was lie, he is not a good teacher and preacher. If he is not the Christ, then he could not have been a miracle worker. If he was not who he said he was, then think about this. The miracles that he was performing, he would not have been performing them in the power of his heavenly father. He would have been performing them in the power of, like some people accused him of, his father, the devil. And by the way, folks, if you don't think the devil has power, you read about what the magicians and sorcerers were able to do in front of Pharaoh and Moses. You read about that. That was real. They did that. They replicated some of the Lord's miracles. He has, he has great power. And so Jesus, he, he performed miracles. There was no doubt. People saw him walk on water. If he was not doing that in the power of his heavenly father, that kind of power can only come from one other place. In that case, they're not miracles, though. They are deceptions. If Jesus went around lying and deceiving in the devil's power, that's not kindness and compassion. Then he was operating with malice and cruelty, trying to get people to fall for a false savior, leading millions to hell. If he was a cruel, maleficent liar and deceiver, then he surely was not good. So again, folks, do you see how those answers, they seem innocent. They just seem misguided. But no, they're more than that. They are deeply, demonically wrong to call Jesus anything less than he truly is. Because if you believe that Jesus is less than what he really is, then he is nothing of who he claimed to be. It is not possible to have an average opinion of Jesus Christ. It is not possible to have an average opinion of Jesus Christ. He is either the Christ, the anointed Messiah, son of living God, the greatest that has ever lived, or he is the greatest liar that's ever walked the face of this earth. He is everything or he is nothing. You cannot believe any good thing about him unless you believe all good things about him. You cannot focus on just one part of his character and leave the rest. He was a great teacher and preacher. He was a miracle worker. He was kind and compassionate. He was always and only good. Yes, he's all those things, but he is so much more. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. And you had better come to that same conclusion. Because when you stand before him someday, all these other answers are not going to be enough. We're not going to turn to each passage this morning for sake of time, but would you turn with me to at least one passage? Would you turn to Philippians chapter 2? Philippians chapter 2.
Listen, folks, all those people that they said Jesus is, Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, all those were good men, but they were all inferior to Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that all clearly. In Matthew 11, the Bible tells us that Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. John 8 tells us that he's greater than Abraham. John 4 tells us that he's greater than Jacob. Hebrews 3 tells us that he's greater than Moses. Matthew 22 tells us that he's greater than David. Matthew 12 12 tells us that he's greater than Solomon. Matthew 12 also says that he's greater than Jonah. Hebrews 1 tells us that he's greater than the angels. And then look with me in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. Philippians 2 verse 9. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not John the Baptist, not Elijah, not Jeremiah, not a prophet, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, if you haven't tracked with me through this whole message, please track with me now. If you just believe that Jesus is a good teacher, you're not a Christian. If you just believe that he's a miracle worker, you're not a Christian. If you just believe that he was a kind person, you're not a Christian. If you just believe that he was a good example, you're not a Christian. You are only a Christian if you believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and you have to put your faith and trust in him and him alone who is worthy of your trust. You may have put your trust in other people and they've let you down because they're made of the same stuff that you are. But he will never let you down. He is worthy of your trust because he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You have to acknowledge who he is. You have to put your faith and trust in him alone. Plus nothing, minus nothing. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You will not add any other gods to be on the same level as the one true God. You will not demean his power by adding works to salvation. To add anything to salvation is to underestimate Jesus' power to save. To remove anything from salvation is to undervalue Jesus' importance. So, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? If Jesus Christ could stand before you this morning in this pulpit, and boy, if he was here, I would not be up here. If he could stand before you in the flesh in this pulpit and look across this audience at good people, he might ask you that same question. Who do you say that I am? People might say, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, another prophet. Good answers, but wrong. Who do you say that he is? I'm not asking the disciples. I'm not asking your parents. I'm not asking anyone else. I'm asking you. You know how many people, when you go out and knock doors and you ask them, hey, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Yeah, my mom and dad, they believe that. Oh, yeah, I try to be a good person. (laughs) My preacher used to say a lot of things. Some of them I can repeat, some of them I can't. Some of them I don't know what they mean, so I don't repeat them just in case. He used to say, 
He used to say, you're grinning like a mule eating saw briars. Okay, good, you're just as lost as I am. I, I thought maybe down south you'd know what that means. I, had, I have no idea. I, a preacher, I am, I am a suburbanite, half Korean kid in Elgin, Illinois. I, I saw a mule once at a zoo. I don't know what a saw briar is. I'm afraid to Google it. But he used to say this. If you're born in a garage, does that make you a car? No. I'm glad that you were born into a Christian home. I'm glad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. That's not going to get you to heaven. Because your parents believed that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. That's not enough for you. You will give an account. Every one of us will give an account. If you've never acknowledged him as the Christ in your life, you are not going to heaven. But hey, I have good news. You can do that today. You can do that today. I don't care what's come before this moment. All that matters is what comes after it. And if you just took a breath, God's given you another chance. Maybe at some point in the past, you've rejected him. You've said, no, that's not for me. You thought that just believing good things about him was enough. I hope that I've presented to you clearly this morning that it's not enough. It's not enough just to believe good things about him. In aggregate, you have to believe he is every bit of who he says he was. The Christ, the son of the living God. If you've never done that, you can do that today. And let me tell you, he's going to welcome you with open arms. What happens, I, I have no idea. I have no idea the wonder of it all. I hope I never lose it. What happens at the moment of salvation when you realize that you're a sinner and that your sin deserves punishment, because it does, you realize that this Messiah came to deliver you from that punishment. I don't know what I would have been thinking about if I was on the cross being crucified. I don't know what would have been going through my mind. I would have been thinking about all of my personal aches and pains. I would have been thinking about how unfair this was, that they're killing me for claiming to be who I am alongside of criminals. But you know what Jesus was thinking about? You. Right. You. When you can be in the depths of suffering and think about others. I don't understand how he thought about me all those years ago, but he did. He did. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. One of the men on the cross next to Jesus, they didn't, they didn't tell that man the full Roman's road. There was not opportunity for a very long conversation, but he looked at Jesus in humility an acknowledgement of who he truly was. And he said, remember me. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. It's not complicated. It's very, very simple. But we've complicated it. I'm glad that I live in the United States of America. I'm glad that I can go down to just about any store and, and, and be able to find a copy of the Bible. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that I don't have to hide this like some people do. It's readily available. But let me tell you something about this country. We have a dangerous combination of prosperity and religion. 
we clutch on to things that we shouldn't clutch on to because they're not going to take us anywhere. It's not religion. It's not your bank account. You have to put your faith and trust in the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then you'll become a Christian. And then, truly, you can say, I am a Christian. Meaning, from, belonging to, related to, and like Christ. If you're already a Christian this morning, can I ask, are you living like he is still the Christ in your life? I'm glad that you have your eternity settled, but God still has you here. And he has you here for a purpose. Are you living like he is the Christ in your life? If he is the Christ, then he will be preeminent. Nothing else will matter as much as him. Do you trust in him? Do you acknowledge him in all your ways? Like the Bible says, we could, we could take time and go through the Gospels. Do you know how much of Jesus' earthly ministry was wasted by people asking him foolish questions? Being able to see Jesus Christ face to face. and all They asked him questions not because they wanted to know the answer, but because they wanted to trip him up. Hey, that was wrong for them to do. It's wrong for us to do. How much of your Christian life are you spending asking Jesus, why, 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 why? Are you living like he's still the Christ in your life? I hope that somewhere along this message that you've come back to terms with who Jesus really is. If you've known him for years and years and you've already accepted him as Savior, praise God that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank God that someone loved you enough to give you the truth and that you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. But if there is an ounce of uncertainty in your mind or in your heart this morning, because you, can never, you can't truly say that you have ever fully put your faith and trust in the Christ, the Son of the living God, please don't leave a church that preaches the gospel having not accepted that gospel. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.